today's movie verdicts episode of Lone Star Lawyers on the Varsity Podcast Network is brought to you by Varsity Search. Varsity Search specializes in helping small law firms in Texas hire lawyers and build great teams. So if you're thinking of making a move or your law firm is looking to hire, please go to varsitysearch.com and book a time to visit right into my calendar. Varsity Search, building great teams. Hey everyone, Daniel Hare with you, and I am excited for today's episode where I will be joined by my friend and criminal defense attorney, Robert Callahan of Callahan and King Law Firm, to do a deep dive into the 1992 classic, My Cousin Vinny. We will have at least two of these movie verdicts episodes each month, and I can share that the next one will be The Lincoln Lawyer. So we are excited about that. Also, don't forget that each Monday is a Monday Mentors episode where we'll visit with a Texas lawyer with an established practice and ask them to share advice on how you can grow as a lawyer and reach your career goals. This past Monday, we talked with Austin-based HOA law expert Gregory Cagle, and it was fantastic. You can catch all of our podcasts on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and at varsitysearch.com slash podcasts and probably most other places you can get podcasts as well. We're still being uploaded into some of them. Finally, if you have suggestions for legal movies we should do on the show, or you have an opinion about anything we talk about in the episode, please tweet at Daniel Hare, H-A-R-E, or send me a message on LinkedIn. You can reach out to Robert on his Facebook page, Justice Waco-Robert Callahan, or at CallahanKingLaw at gmail.com. All right, without further ado cook up some magic grits, then kick back, relax, because it's time for My Cousin Vinny. Rambo, The Terminator, Indiana Jones, Vincent LaGuardia Gambini. You graduated from law school six years ago. What have you been doing since? Studying for the bar. That's a lot of studying. Now, didn't I tell you dress appropriately? You were serious about that? You're now in contempt of court. Oh! You stole his files? Don't worry. I'll find a way to bail you out. The way you handled that, Judge. Oh, you're a smooth talker. All this over a can of tuna. Fry him. Yeah, we fried last week. Took us three attempts and his head caught fire. Whoa! I think we should meet with the public defender. Babe. Prosecution's case is circumstantial. Wait a second, wait a second. I could do it. Hey, little Yankee, what? My biological clock is ticking like this, and the way this case is going, I ain't never getting married. 20th Century Fox presents... What the hell is that? The most dangerous man in America. Joe Pesci is my cousin Vinny. I could win this thing, though. I mean, if I could keep my ass awake and out of jail. All right, my cousin Vinny. Robert Callahan's with us. Hey. Thanks for being here, man. Absolutely. This is exciting. Uh, I'm Daniel Hare uh, with Varsity Search, Robert Callahan, Callahan and King Law Firm here in Waco. And uh, this is the inaugural episode of Movie Verdicts uh, on Lone Star Lawyers podcast. Uh, And our first one out of the gate here, my cousin Vinny, uh, a classic. So good. Um, It it is uh, just so... The first thing that you think of when we first even talked about 
doing this particular movie? What, what came to mind? This is this is my favorite lawyer movie. Is it okay? It so really we- is like <laughs> this is the the stuttering defense attorney doing the opening state statement. Uh, oh my goodness, that you cannot beat that. <laughs> that is po- that is possibly the funniest two minutes of or you know ten minutes, however long that took of of TV uh, or film. I mean, that's just hilarious. Love this movie. (laughs) Well, it was released in March of 1992. And of course, starring Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei and Ralph Macchio and just a handful of others. It's actually a small cast. I was going through it uh, beforehand. Um, Mitchell Whitfield plays uh, Ralph Macchio's running mate, uh, Stan Rothenstein and uh, Rothenstein. He gets mad Mm -hmm. uh, on the presentation of his name. I'm going to take some liberties later and talk more about Fred Gwynn, uh, who plays Judge Chamberlain Haller, uh, because I think he's so special. And uh, it was so awesome. That's who I just immediately associate with this movie. Um, and then Lane Smith is the DA, uh, Jim Trotter. But um, written by uh, Dale Lawner, who also wrote one of my favorite movies, not legal, but Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, mm. a great 80s movie with Michael Caine and Steve Martin, that if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. Um, and also Love Potion Number 9, which is not my thing, but I know a lot of people like it. It's kind of a cult hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, directed by uh, Jonathan Lynn, who also wrote and directed Clue from the 80s, another great movie um, that I've been thinking about lately just because Knives Out, uh, which I've not seen yet, looks like kind of a, a 2019 version in some ways of Clue. Um, and uh, he actually uh, studied law. And so it was important to him uh, to have this movie reflect um, realities of law practice, which as we'll get into in a little while, I think most, uh, practitioners, judges and others feel like this is a movie that closely, uh, traces the, um, the realities of law practice, uh, maybe as good or better than any others. Um, it's a, uh, 7.6 on IMDb, uh, and, uh, 86, 87 on Rotten Tomatoes. So both audiences and critics uh, like it. It was 14th on ABA's top 25 legal movies. You mentioned it's your favorite uh, legal movie. Of course, I think, uh, Marissa Tomei, probably one of the most known roles for her. I mean, she's been around now for gosh, 25 years, but, um, won an Oscar. Um, we'll talk about her in a little bit as well. Um, this is, I think this is my favorite role that she's ever done. I mean, yeah, she's, she makes so much of this movie happen. Um, and just provides a perfect counterweight. Um, to uh to joe pesci uh in this um it made uh 64 million bucks on an 11 million dollar budget so not bad um as we said not too many people in it and not uh uh uh, it's a movie that you know just in today's world of movies uh marvel and uh disney and everything else this is just one of those that's uh just sort of you know uh it's good writing it's good acting um and uh, uh not a lot of money put into it otherwise and so it's kind of fun to watch that Um, filmed mostly in Georgia and takes place in a fictional county in Alabama. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, a lot's kind of going on at this time, but let's, let's talk about that kind of the backdrop of this movie. And uh, the first thing I noticed when I watched it back the other night, um, was the protest around the jail. Yeah. Um, which I don't think I'd really maybe thought about much or picked up on when I watched it, uh, originally when it first came out. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that you've had this, uh, uh, protest trying to save, uh, a guy who's on death row. Uh, it's not a character in the movie other than it's sort of just there in this backdrop. Uh, just as a, especially as a 
criminal defense lawyer. Um, how did th that strike you uh, in this setting? It's remarkably woke. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know whether that was an intentional thing uh, on the part of the director or if that was part of uh, a storyline that maybe got cut out. I, I did a little bit of digging, not necessarily on that issue, uh, but I was I was reading around and it seems like there was some conversation about there was going to be more about the uh, the execution of one of the inmates. Yeah. And um, and some of that got cut out, but in particular, I, I can't remember the the name of the in, inmate. But there was going to be a line about there goes somebody after there was some buzzing. Right. Yeah. Norton. Norton is yeah. The, is the yeah. It's it's on the the some of the posters that the people have outside the jail, and then they talk about him a couple of times um, throughout the movie. But yeah, at the time, this is 1992. So I went back to look, and at the time, 36 states had uh, some version of the death penalty 14 didn't. Mm. Um, and now all these years later, it's down to 25 that have it. 21 don't Four have issued governor, uh, moratoriums. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're, it's sliding in that direction, but, but yeah. Um, uh, and, and of course the other piece to it is, um, it's at that time and in that setting death by electric chair, yeah. which, <clears throat> I, you know, we talk and hear so much today about uh, lethal injection and, and its constitutionality and so forth that I didn't, I actually didn't realize until I was just researching for this, that uh, there are still states that will use the electric chair. Tennessee uh, executed a prisoner uh, just uh, in December by electric chair. Um, now only a few states have it um, and most don't use it, but um, that, that was uh, interesting uh, as I was kind of looking into this. Um, 1992, uh, uh, the uh, the number one song out on the pop charts is uh, Mr. Big to be with you. <laughs> where that puts you. Who uh, wants to, yeah, man. Some of our listeners weren't maybe born or like you know their parents were listening to it. Like what's happening? That is prime freshman year awkwardness of high school for me. Um, John Boyega was born that same week uh, that this movie was released. And uh, of course, it's now Finn in, in the newest trilogy of Star Wars. Um, and uh, then candidate Bill Clinton is rolling through the Super Tuesday primaries on his way to upsetting everyone and winning the Democratic nomination and then the presidency. So um, an interesting time. Um, and then, like you said, uh, the death penalty stuff was sort of ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, and uh, But it's just kind of fun to kind of think about this movie in that context and just kind of then... Um, uh, you know, did you know, I, I was looking this up apparently. So I, when I was watching this again, I never really noticed there's a huge age difference between Joe Pesci's character and Marissa Tomei's character. Well, it was noticeable watching it this time for yeah. me. Yeah. And I, I was watching it thinking it, it's one of the, if we, I was to save it, but it's one of the things where like, does this really make sense that they're together? Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I did a little bit of math. This is the only math I can do. And so this is, I'm done for the year with this. But Joe Pesci is now 76. Marissa is now 55. And so if those are true numbers, then that means at the time of filming, Joe was 48, Marissa was 27. 
and they look it. That was that was my guess. Yeah, somewhere around there. Right, and 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 we're gonna do all kind of spoiler alert for our next episode, which is the Lincoln Lawyer, which is a total almost opposite movie to this in so many ways. But yet the connecting point happens to be Marissa Tomei. Yeah, that was not by design. Um, I realized it as we were getting ready. It's like we have the one link, but and then two because I was I was thinking I found myself like how is is Dan a genius because <laughs> no, no. the judge is Judge Haller. Oh, and then we've got Mickey Haller. It, yeah. Uh, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, so I was name. like, I started Googling <laughs> everywhere. I was like, oh my goodness, no. you know. No, I realized that after we we planned it, that, that Marissa told me I was going to be the link. But I was also, and the juxtaposition of that is, okay, I buy... Marissa Tomei with Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> right. Like that looks right to me. Like, <laughs> you know, um, Marissa Tomei with Joe Pesci <laughs> doesn't quite look that's, right. That's, ta- that's tough. That's, no, that's it, hard. it is. I mean, you think about, okay, let's throw Joe, uh, Marissa Tomei in with uh, Joe Pesci in um, uh, the the newest movie um, that, that he's out with De Niro and those guys uh, oh, that yeah, are in the, the Irishman, uh, the, the Irishman, which is amazing by the way. Um, and, and that would, that would be interesting altogether. Um, but they could de-age him and make it look more you know, <laughs> with the de-aging technology. They did not have that in 1992, True. obviously. So, you know, um, another fun fact I was, uh, looking on Buzzfeed, apparently Will Smith was up for the ro- role of Rothenstein. Yes, I saw that. Um, can you imagine yeah. uh, what this movie would have been with yeah. Will Smith? Because um, a, a, one of the things that was interesting is, you know, you you, you have Pesci, uh, who's um, uh, an, an amazing actor, obviously an Oscar winner, and Marissa Tomei was going to win an Oscar here. Ralph Macchio is mm. a superstar yeah. at this time because he's coming off Karate Kids um, and and being part of the pack, you know, uh, from, from uh, the group of all those guys kind of in the late 80s. And yet, in this movie, um, I mean, while he's a central character in a lot of ways, he really doesn't yeah. have that big of a role. It's understated. Um, and, and in some ways, uh, yeah, Rothenstein's character has a, a larger role. He's kind of more moving the story forward and going with the public defender and then back and kind of the one pushing back on whether to use uh, Joe uh, Vinny, you know, at, at all. Um, so, yeah, uh, an interesting group uh, for sure. Um, this is actually not a movie that... Uh, I would have seen in the theater. I, I would have been uh, 14 and, and uh, I, I uh, my parents were strict about movies mm-hmm. um, growing up, you know, and so Same. Uh, this movie does have a lot of F-bombs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should have counted them. Uh, I, well, I'm sure I, that's one thing I did not look up, but I, I think I've saw a few places where people were saying how many, like in Google when I was Googling stuff, how many F-bombs are in uh, um, th- this movie? And so... Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I didn't see it till later on. And I think I started catching it when it was on um, <laughs> Google Assistant's hopping in uh, with, some, with some knowledge, just dropping dimes. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I think uh, it was started to get some run on cable yeah. back in the day, like on whatever TNT or USA or one of those cable channels where it just got, you know, over and over and over again. And you started catching, oh, is, is the judge about to go off on one of them, you know, or something? And you start watching it. Um, but yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, no. Google Assistant's trying to tell me about how many f bombs are in the movie. And did you? I, one thing I did count was the log hauling truck. Did oh, you no, catch tell that? Me about joke? that. No, no, okay, no. so I, I I don't remember where I heard this, but I had heard that there was sort of a ongoing joke with the log hauling truck. And if you watch it, you'll see that that truck shows up. It's it's almost the first vehicle you see. It's like the second vehicle you see. They pass it, 
And then it shows up in the town several times. This is kind of doing like a, a circuit almost. So it, yeah. shows, it shows up four different times and it's just, it's a funny little backdrop. I mean, I think that they nailed, I, I've grew up in the South. Yeah. So, you know, Louisiana, Oklahoma, um, family in Texas. And, you know, I get these run of state highways and things like that. So, I mean, I think they absolutely nailed the the setting and the, the background feel. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. And I think it was, uh, the one part also we were talking earlier about kind of, uh, Joe and Marissa's like, does that make sense? The other thing is it's funny how the, the whole reason the movie even takes place is because these two guys are crisscrossing the country from New York to LA and they're taking a route yeah. <laughs> down through the South. Why? <laughs> which, I mean, the, the best I see explanation is it was the winter time mm. and trying to avoid like the snowy yeah. icy Midwest roads. Okay. But like, I mean, yeah, like the whole idea of them just, <laughs> oh, we'll go through you know, <laughs> rural Alabama on our way out to UCLA yeah. on scholarships. Like it just, it was sort <laughs> of a weird, I mean, I didn't think much of it the first few times I watched it, but I was just kind of looking back at it this time. It's like, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, uh, how the whole thing starts. So, um, so obviously that's, you know, that's the start of the plot. They, um, uh, and, I, and I should have said this at the beginning, if you haven't seen My Cousin Vinny, go watch it and come back and listen to this because we're going to spoil it for you. Um, and also, if you're in the legal field, this is just a movie you need to have seen and, and need... Required watching. Yeah, it's required. Um, as are hopefully most or not, if not all of these movies that we're going to um, do on here. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so Ralph Macchio and... and uh, um, who I, forget, I always just see, I already forgot the guy, uh, other actor's name, uh, Mitchell Whitfield. Uh, so they're rolling through Alabama on their way out to LA. They pull over into the sack of suds. <laughs> great name for a convenience <laughs> store. It sounds like a laundromat, but it's a convenience <laughs> store. Uh, and, uh, they buy, uh, a bunch of groceries, haul them out there. Ralph Macho forgets that he's got, uh, that he's got a can of tuna in his pocket cause he couldn't, uh, fit it on top of the stack of groceries, whatever. Um, and then they get pulled over thinking that it's the tuna, yeah. the, the shoplifting of the tuna, yeah, the 31 cent tuna. Right. And, uh, and then they of course are being hauled in actually on a murder charge because someone in the same car had come in, uh, and, and murdered the, the, the guy at the sack of suds, the, the clerk. Um, and we go through a pretty, uh, I want you to talk about this because we go through like a fairly lengthy, you know, set of the movie where, um, they don't exactly tell him what he's being right arrested for or, uh, charged with. Right. Um, and they just assume it's the tuna. Right. And it's, a, it, which creates a very hilarious set of back and forth where, you know, uh, Ralph Macchio is just like, you know, uh, I mean, I just, you know, I, I didn't think much about it. I'm sorry. You know, I can give it you know, it's just like yeah. this whole, like what you would say about taking a thing of tuna when the cop, uh, the sheriff is thinking about murder. Yeah. No, I, as a criminal defense attorney watching this, that I realized this is the first time that I've watched this movie as a criminal defense attorney. I, I watched it so many different times, you know, just early in life. And then when I was a prosecutor, I watched it all the time. 
But I see it through different eyes now. And so this is a segment that I'd like to call the Fifth Amendment with Callahan and King. Shut up. I just want I was cringing the whole time. You know, he's he's nailing this guy down. He's like, OK, and then what did you do? He's like, well, then we, we went in and then what would you do? And, you know, and he's just giving him all these details. And then, you know, at the end, he's like, so when did you shoot the clerk? And then, and then there's this great, you know, misunderstanding that gets used against him, twisted against him because it's all being typed by a stenographer instead of recorded, you know, with a voice recorder. But there's this, you know, moment where he says, I shot the clerk you know, <laughs> with a New York accent. I shot the clerk. And then the guy's like, yeah, what, what did you do or whatever? And he's like, I shot the clerk. And he's like, whoa, realizing what they're being accused of. But the way it comes out on paper is I, he's confessing. I shot the clerk. Yeah. It's like, there's this like, in his inflection of his voice, there's this tiny little question mark at the yeah. end. I shot the clerk. Yeah. But it's just light enough that yeah. the sheriff already has it in his head that he's confessing. And so he's just hearing it as a period at the end of that sentence. Yeah. I shot the clerk. This is, you know, clerk. I, one of the first things, literally one of the first things I tell my criminal clients when they get booked into the jail is you have the right to remain silent. Use it. This yeah. is like you never know what little detail or what little misstatement is going to be used against you and how it's going to be twisted against you later. So this is a great example of uh, why you shouldn't be talking to law enforcement without having an attorney present. Yeah, no, no question. Well, um, we're going to go through a few uh, just categories here that'll be uh, most of them consistently on uh, that. We, we roll all these movies through to the extent we can. Um, and uh, we kind of want to build this up to uh, ultimately uh, give a an overall verdict on this movie, um, and uh, we'll get there at the end. But um, the first thing we go through is talking about um, what, and I'll, I'll I'll give you mine. And and I may have some of these categories, and Robert, you may not, and you may have some for some of these that I may not, because I don't have something for everything here. Um, but the best um, admission of evidence or testimony, um, I think, is. Uh, just getting Marissa Tomei on the stand mm -hmm. uh, as a counter expert yeah. um, late in the movie mm -hmm. um, uh, when um, uh, they have, uh, the state has introduced a, an expert witness who's an FBI technology or uh, uh, technical guy uh, uh, who's analyzing some tire tracks and has, uh, um, you know, put the, the whole crime scene kind of through the FBI machine and, and come out the other end saying, this is what it's got to be. And, um, but then getting, uh, getting her on the stand, uh, because she's a, uh, an expert, uh, at general auto knowledge and has been a mechanic and all that. And just kind of on the heels, I think we're just maybe a year or two after, uh, Daubert mm -hmm. and, uh, and kind of what's required of an expert witness, but it was, it's, it was really cool to watch, um, then the DA take her through essentially in front of the jury, which was a little bit weird, right. Um, but take her through, um, you know, an exercise to establish her credentials and her expertise, yeah. um, which, um, you know, he probably, uh, I, I'm sure he wish he would have excused the jury before he did that. Cause when she wound up demonstrating her expertise, yeah. um, it wound up backfiring, but, uh, we that actually, really cool. in, in law school, we use this in evidence as an example of how to do a Dauber hearing. 
Yeah. I don't know if you if you had that because we both went to the same yeah. law school. We yeah, both yeah. went to Baylor Law School. Had Gerald Powell for evidence, and we actually watched. You know, this is the the day where they roll the TV in, like when you're in <laughs> when <laughs> elementary school. Right. You know, like, oh, we get to watch a movie, right? And, right. Um, yeah, we actually watched this scene, and it, it's it's great. It's very accurate. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, that yeah, there. Uh, I, I want to go to. Um, uh, unless you, do you have another? Yeah, anything no, else on that? I'd, go. For me, the thing that was uh, was incredibly accurate for me, and uh, this is this is a little bit of a dig, but so there's the scene where they get ready to call the the expert from the FBI to yeah. testify about tread patterns and all that other stuff. Right. Surprise witness, and. Gambini jumps up and he objects. He goes up to the bench and he says, "Your Honor, I object to this witness being called at this time. We've given no prior. We've been given no prior notice that he testified. No discovery of any tests he's conducted or any reports he's prepared. And as the court is aware, the defense is entitled to advance notice of any witness who will testify, particularly those who will give scientific evidence, so that we may properly prepare for cross examination, as well as give the defense an opportunity to have the witnesses' reports reviewed by a defense expert who might then be in a position." to contradict the veracity of his conclusions. And the judge says, Mr. Gambini, that is a lucid, well-thought-out, intelligent objection. And he says, thank you. And the judge says, overruled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is the essence <laughs> of what it's like to be a defense attorney <laughs> in court, um, you know, when the state's just getting their way uh, on home territory. Uh, I thought that that was incredibly accurate. I thought that was great. Can we play that real quick? I've yeah. got that clip pulled up and it's um, it's just so good. It's worth hearing uh, for sure. I object to this witness being called at this time. We've been given no prior notice he'd testify. No discovery of any tests he's conducted or reports he's prepared. And as the court is aware, the defense is entitled to advance notice of any witness who will testify, particularly those who will give scientific evidence so that we could properly prepare for cross-examination as well as to give the defense an opportunity to have the witnesses' reports reviewed by a defense expert who might then be in a position to contradict the veracity of his conclusions. Yes, sir. That is a lucid, intelligent, well-thought-out objection. Thank you, Your Honor. Overruled. (laughs) (laughs) Then he walks back and just kind of shrugs. Oh, man. And you know what's interesting, too? So that... um, and we'll get to a couple of the uh, scenes uh, that lead to that, um, but that come before it in the chronology. But it's just it is interesting too to see his transformation mm. um, from the, those initial like the arraignment um, uh, component, um, and then some other preliminary, and even the beginning of the trial to this part where um, the judge is obviously taking a little bit more of a liking to him and appreciating that he's getting better. And in fact, like, I mean, that's why that was so, I mean, I saw it's such a powerful piece right there is the judge just acknowledging that after all your screw ups over the last, however many days, um, that was as good of an objection as you can make. I'm still overruling you, (laughs) but good job, (laughs) but, but good job. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I uh, appreciate too, as I was doing some research, apparently the director at one point wanted, uh, Vinny's character to be dyslexic. And that was the explanation for sort of his, you know, uh, being a little bit slow and, 
Um, I guess they, they ultimately had trouble figuring out how to demonstrate that right. 1992 technology or whatever have you. And so, um, but yeah, the, just the idea that he's kind of a goof off just for the sake of being a goof off or he's just dumb for the sake of being dumb. I never really paid attention to that before, but noticed it sort of this time through. Yeah. And, um, I do though, I, I, I can appreciate, uh, this scene and just, uh, some other, other little subtleties of the courtroom, as a defense attorney, I, I almost feel like Lynn had to have studied under a defense attorney to see kind of how the the scales seem to be tipped against you when you're in a, sure. a court of law as a defense attorney. It's just it's amazing. No, no, no doubt. Um, so uh, best argument or cross examination. So there were several in mm. this movie. Um, uh, I think, uh, you know. He crosses really all three of the prosecution's primary witnesses, and it's and they're different and very different, but also each uh, unique and, and um, important uh, in their own way. So you've got the one guy who uh, supposedly was an eyewitness uh, seeing them flee the scene after the shooting happened in the sack of suds, Mr. Um, Tipton. Yeah, grits guy. Oh no! So you got so you got the grits guy. Yeah, you got the grits guy. You got the guy that sees through his muddied up okay. uh, yep. window yep. Um, and the trees and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, and then you've got um, the, the older lady with yeah. the glasses who can't see. Yeah. Um, and so he just, you know, kind of takes each of them uh, apart. Um, I think the grits one is my personal favorite. <laughs> I do have that one pulled up on the clip. So uh, we can do that. But we can talk about the others too. Instinct grits. No self-respect and suddenly uses instinct grits. I take pride in my grits. So, Mr. Tipton, how could it take you five minutes to cook your grits when it takes the entire grit-eating world 20 minutes? His face just totally melts here. I don't know. I'm a fast cook, I guess. I love it. I'm sorry. I was all the way over here. I couldn't hear you. Did you say you're a fast cook? That's it? That's it? Yeah. Are we to believe that boiling water soaks into a grit faster in your kitchen than on any place on the face of the earth? I don't know. Well, perhaps the laws of physics cease to exist on your stove. Were these magic grits? I mean, did you buy them from the same guy who sold Jack his beanstalk beans? Oh, Here comes the objection. Yeah. Objection sustained. Are you sure about that five minutes? Ignore the question. Are you sure about that five minutes? I don't know. I think you made your point. Are you sure about that five minutes? <laughs> I may have been mistaken. Hilarious. Oh, yeah. Just the the premise of so this good. movie that the the not guilty relies or ultimately ultimately comes down to uh, the despair or the uh, discrepancy in the the grits cooking time and yes. uh, you know and some testimony about the the skid marks which uh, most jurors probably wouldn't understand even though I think that was yeah. broken down pretty well yeah you know I, I just I love I love it and uh, have you have you seen the uh, the spoof video of um, my cousin Vinny Inception. No. So they, they do like this. They make it into a courtroom drama kind of a thing. Oh. And that part where he, you know, gets tipped in with his back against the wall 
And he says, you sure about that five minutes? Yeah. So they do the inception, you know, the, oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I definitely need to watch that. No, love that cross. The, my, I think my favorite cross though, is actually how he treats, uh, the little old lady, Mrs. Yeah. Riley. Yeah. Um, because I let's think, talk about that. Yeah. Cause I think that this is actually a great example of how to treat a witness who just has a, a, a sweet and kind demeanor, but you still got to cut her up. Yeah. And you know, how do you go about doing yeah. it and impeaching her, her perception with the distance and the tape measure, mm-hmm. believe it or not, because I watched this movie for all you young attorneys out there. Um, I actually used that in a courtroom one time mm-hmm. when I was a prosecutor, we had a case that was a DWI and, um, actually it was a, a DWI fatality. Mm-hmm. And, um, the issue was whether or not, believe it or not, the the car was a deadly weapon, and so we got testimony that the uh, the victim was thrown more than a hundred feet from the car. So we actually got a tape measure and pulled it from the witness seat out of the courtroom, clear into. I mean, if you've yeah. ever been in the McLennan County Courthouse, third floor, yeah, all the all way, way to the other side yeah. to the rotunda, yeah, and yeah. you know, no objections drawn. Judge let us do it, probably because I was a prosecutor. Hmm. <laughs> right, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it was it was very. I mean, it was it was a great cross examination. Um, a little bit dangerous unless you taken time to sit down with the witnesses in, in advance and yeah. you know nail down what their testimony is going to be, which is what he did, and that's right. that's great. Yeah, no, and, and you, you mentioned about her and kind of the sweet um, witness uh, who you have to be careful, mm-hmm. right? Because the jury's watching; they're her, she's yeah. them. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's especially a small rural town. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the Yankee from out of town and, uh, with an edge. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so, uh, and, and all three of the witnesses, uh, she was the sweetest, Yeah. but all three of them were really still in that sort of ballpark of like, they're not hostile. They're not like they're, they're, they're well-meaning. Right. And so you have to figure out a way to, on the merits, uh, you know, take them down and in a way that doesn't make them, you know, uh, look dumb or look belittled in front of their peers because yeah. the jury's going to feel that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and like you said, in a small town where like, they probably know this witness. Oh yeah. You know? Right. So yeah, no, um, that, uh, <laughs> yeah. And just so, uh, we, I, I want to make sure that for, uh, people who haven't seen it in a while, just re- remembering that, um, it, so she says she saw, um, you know, saw them coming out of the sack of suds and, and she, uh, uh, has these really thick glasses. And so he <laughs> takes her through how many layers of glasses has she had over the years? How many times has she had to get thicker glasses <laughs> over the years? And she can't remember. And then she says, however many dozen or six, however many. And, uh, you know, then it's, um, it, you know, he's trying to establish that, uh, you know, she says it's a hundred feet from where she was to where they were. And he has a tape measure that only goes 50 feet, basically the back of the That's courtroom. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's double, or I mean, it's half of what is actually the distance. And mm-hmm. so then he's holding up fingers and having her call out fingers. And, and the little comedic part at the beginning is the, the judge, yeah. <laughs> the judge <laughs> blows it up. I'm telling you, I just, you know, there's so many great, but the judge for me in this movie is just, is just the whole thing really. Yeah. Um, let the let the court reporter note that the <laughs> counsel's holding up two fingers. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like judge, uh, come on! <laughs> it's the first time that he kind of said, "Oh, 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And like, now, Miss Riley, and only Mrs. Riley. <laughs> gives him a look. Yeah. And at this point, it's far enough along where there's some type of mutual respect going on between the judge and Vinny, which has developed at yeah. this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, that at the beginning would not have been there. We'll we'll see a couple of those clips here in a minute. But yeah, um, but yeah that part is, is just great. Now, are you going, you know, going back to Mr. Tipton, the Grits guy, did you know about uh, Grits for Black? Grits for Breakfast, the blog. There is a great defense attorney blog. Yes, I know about it. And it's yeah. it's basically just, you know, keeping people apprised of what's going on in different sections, uh, mostly in Texas. Right. Um, but he's, he, I don't know who he is. Um, I feel like I, I heard his name one time. Maybe he's out of Austin. But, I mean, he is very savvy. And uh, obviously his website's inspired by... Uh, that cross-examination, I, I think that this cross-examination is one of the things, if you grew up in the 90s, uh, there's probably like 80% of the attorneys that became attorneys in between the years of like 2000 and 2010 were, yeah. <laughs> became attorneys because of this scene. Well, and I think also a, a key part uh, of the Grits thing is that it's referring also back to earlier in the movie where, I mean... They've never heard of grits mm. until they get there. Yeah, to defend these two kids, uh, he and and um, uh, we didn't say Marissa Tomei's name in this, which is Mona, Mona Lisa, Lisa Vito. Mona Lisa Vito, <laughs> and uh, you know, so it's only when they go to breakfast in the local diner that uh, and they order off the menu, which just says breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Yeah, and you don't see it at first. That's a great little scene where. Uh, they give them the menu and uh, they open it up and you're not seeing the menu. You're seeing it from behind. Uh, and so you can't see it. And they actually act like they're studying it. Like, hmm. Yeah. yeah. Breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> I got breakfast. It's, it was happened to be grits, bacon, and eggs. You know what I never thought of before until now? It's a metaphor. <laughs> you know, they're leaving the north. They're coming down south. Yeah. And, and they're immersing themselves in this culture that they don't know anything about. They've never heard of grits. Nope. Right? And then they, they learn more about grits and how that works. And as he's learning about the legal system and the process. Yeah. And then eventually it becomes the grit that saves... Uh, this kid, I don't know. Yeah. No, but there's a lesson. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely a lesson in absorbing the community <laughs> that you're operating yeah, in yeah. and being able to connect. I mean, the fact of being able to connect those jurors and that witness all mm -hmm. over something like grits, which he couldn't have done two weeks prior. Yeah. Um, and the same thing with the mud and the tires, yeah. right? Oh, uh, so several things that were sort of uh, culturally relevant to them in the South, but that the... Um, uh, the people coming up, <laughs> coming down from New York had not uh, thought of or, or knew about before. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, true story, because I lived in Washington State. My father was Air Force, and so we were all over the place. I lived in Washington State for five years, and no one up there had heard of grit. Yeah. No one. So, yeah, it's was, yeah. it was, it was accurate. Yeah. Um, best use of a procedural or evidentiary rule. So uh, on this, for me, one of the things that, that stuck out for me is – um, particularly with where we are now, uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Vinny um, is trying to figure out how to stay on top of things. He's panicking and he's like, man, if I could just get a look at Trotter's <laughs> files, <laughs> Trotter the DA, if I could just get a look at those files, you know, that'd really help. Yeah. And so he's trying to sweet talk the guy into, and, and he's going to go hunting with them to develop some rapport. So yeah. maybe he'll share the files with them. And he comes home all proud because in the car, he just mentions it to them. And Trotter calls up his assistant and says, hey, will you copy all the files in this case? And uh, he's feeling proud about himself that he won, won him over. And they gave him the files. Comes home to have uh, 
uh, Lisa say he has to turn it over. Yeah. It's disclosure. <laughs> it's right here in the book. <laughs> and you didn't so, have to shoot a deer. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, shoot a deer. You're gonna shoot. Oh yeah. Oh, that part. That scene oh, is worth goodness. watching. Um, yeah. The uh, uh, the her, her little whole. Tra- <laughs> thing about the deer is really great you're a little though you swim over to little brook <laughs> Blam. blow your eyes out <laughs> so good but no the um but thinking about uh, brady and the michael morton act yeah. and just think about like where we are now versus where we were then and, and i mean brady was there but not michael morton obviously and mm-hmm. and so um the turning over of evidence and files from the state to the defense and um uh yeah, just interesting to kind of watch them stumble upon that in different ways. Yeah, and you know, this this movie also just makes me realize, I mean, how good, I say good, we have it, but just how much better things are with the Michael Morton Act in particular. Yeah. Those that don't know, uh, yeah, good. Rule 3914, Code of Criminal Procedure, uh, based on the... Uh, atrocity of a wrongful conviction of a man named Michael Morton for the uh, death of his wife come to find out uh, I think after 18 years that uh, that he spent in jail in prison that he didn't commit the crime he was exonerated and uh, because of that uh, we uh, have this rule now and in the course of uh, overturning his case it became clear that the district attorney at that point in time was being alleged of uh, withholding evidence intentionally and uh, kind of cooking the case in order to get their conviction. And so uh, a lot of lawmakers in Austin inspired to change the law. And so now we have expansive discovery rules in Texas. And it it makes you appreciate because, I mean, it was the dark ages before that. I mean, we had to sit down, um, you know, and, and write everything out or type everything out, you know, inside the district attorney's office and, yeah, just different times, but um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's crazy. Uh, I loved the voir dire of uh, Miss Vito. Yeah, so, yeah, we mentioned it earlier, but that was so good. Yeah, right. The, the prosecutor, you know, goes back and starts asking her questions, and I mean, he does a really good job of initially challenging her credibility. He asks that one question too many mm-hmm. across, and that's a rule. You never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. Right. And the question was something to the effect of, you know, how does your family being, uh, your mechanics, you know, make you uh, knowledgeable or, or something like that. And then, you know, she goes off and <laughs> just walks through this door that he opened up and, and tears it, tears it open. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, I think we've got that clip here in a little bit too uh, of her uh, on this. Oh, well, I think we've got the clip of her on the stand actually giving the testimony mm-hmm. um, after after that. But um, so uh, we talked earlier about the the old woman with the demonstration. So uh, a category we'll have on here is best courtroom demonstration, and for me that was it. Uh, getting up there and doing that. Um, uh, is there another one that you any kind of uh, was there another courtroom demonstration that uh, um, stood out to you? I, I couldn't think of another one, but um, you know what I thought was interesting was um, when Gambini is asleep. Yeah, during one of the hearings, and there's this case out there that talks about you know ineffective assistance of counsel and yeah. what does and doesn't qualify as ineffective assistance of counsel. I yeah. have to look this up. I can probably find it fairly quickly, but there was actually a lawyer that was asleep at the <laughs> at the table, 
And, um, you know, the, the person that was convicted on appeal said, look, my lawyer wasn't even awake. Uh, surely that's, uh, grounds for, for me to have my, my case overturned. Um, and it was a, uh, actually it was a death sentence case. It was, uh, Calvin Gerald Bourdine, um, sentenced to death by a Houston jury in 1984. (laughs) This is according to the Washington post for stabbing, for the stabbing death of a former roommate, his court appointed attorney who died in 98 was a notorious, uh, attorney in Houston for nodding off in courtrooms. Um, and the U S court of appeals for the fifth circuit voted to reinstate the death sentence, um, stating that the fact that he, in some we on this record, we cannot determine if Cannon slept during the critical stage of Burdine's trial. Barksdale wrote the ruling reinstated a death sentence thrown out last year by a lower federal court. Um, of course, our rejecting Burdine's claim should not be understood as condoning sleeping by defense counsel during a capital murder <laughs> trial or any other trial for that matter. Right. Good disclaimer. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting. There's a lot of little little hints of of interesting, you know, real uh, courtroom stuff here. Yeah, no, for sure. Best objection. We, uh, I think we covered that one. Um, the, the, the good objection from, from Vinny, uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have anything for best prep work or discovery moment, investigative work? Um, uh, yeah, I, I love how he, he goes to the different witnesses and, you know, he's taking pictures with the little Polaroid yeah. camera. Yeah. Um, you know, and all that stuff ends up being useful later. And, um, this is uh Mr. Grants was the one where he's, uh, what is all this stuff on the window? You yeah. Know? And then he has a good cross later and uh, that stuff. I mean, you really can't, um, put a value on the, the value of going and getting your hands dirty at, you know, yeah. going to the crime scenes, yeah. going, talking to witnesses, checking out the perspective, you know, same conditions, same, you know, time of day, same lighting, all that kind of stuff yeah. to the extent possible. Um, and seeing that firsthand, like there's just so many things that you'll find in a case. And so, you know, he wouldn't have had that if he had just relied on the fact that the police report said A, B and C and, uh, you know, that must be what it is. You know, he wouldn't have those good pictures in that cross-examination. So, yeah, that guy, um, I won't remember all of them here offhand, but yeah, mud on the window. Mm. He also had the trees <laughs> and then the bushes. Yeah. And so it was it, how he laid that out to him on the stand was he presented those photos to him that he took with him when he was preparing earlier mm. and whatever. And so he, um, you know, what here, here's this picture. Is this your house? Is mm. this your window? What is that What's on the window? Thing? It's mud. What what is what what are those things? What are these little things? Trees. What what are those millions of little things on those trees? Leaves? Leaves. Yeah, yeah. And then bushes. And Just he, yell them out when you know. And he gets them to say all of those things. Mm-hmm. And then what I loved about it was at the end of that cross, he says, Now are you telling me that through all these leaves mm-hmm. on all these trees mm-hmm. and all those bushes yeah. and all that mud? Looping pulling it all back in yep. that you could have seen blah, blah, blah. Yep. And he folds on that. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And of course the, the rule with cross examination is you're not really so much usually trying to get an answer out of the witness. You're usually right, talking to, yeah, yeah, talk yeah, to the yeah. jury. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's great work. Yeah. Um, 
All right, I've got so much on best judge moments. We've already talked a little bit about it, but I just feel like I've got to give my you, man, my man, his due. So let's start with the arraignment okay. because I love the arraignment. <laughs> I just, I just love everything about this. We're gonna play this clip, um, and we'll, we'll. It's just so good. We'll talk about it on the How other do side. How your clients plead? Uh, my clients are caught completely by surprise. They thought they were getting arrested for uh, shoplifting a can of tuna. What are you telling me? That they plead not guilty? No, I, I'm just trying to explain. I don't want to hear explanations. The state of Alabama has its procedure. Wow. And that procedure at this point in time is to have an arraignment. Are we clear on this? Uh, yes, but uh, there seems to be a great deal of confusion here. Mr. Gambini. Uh, see, my clients... Uh... Uh, Mr. Gambini. <laughs> <laughs> Two fingers waving yeah. him up. All the way. <laughs> All I ask from you is a very simple answer to a very simple question. There are only two ways to answer it, guilty or not guilty. But Your Honor, my clients didn't do anything. Once again, the communication process <laughs> broken down. <clears throat> it appears to me that you want to skip the arraignment process, go directly to trial, skip that, and get a dismissal. Well, I'm not about to revamp the entire judicial process just because you find yourself in the unique position of defending clients who say they didn't do it. Now, next words out of your mouth are either going to be guilty or not guilty. I don't want to hear commentary, argument, or opinion. If I hear anything other than guilty or not guilty, you'll be in contempt. I don't even want to hear you clear your throat. I hope I've been clear. Now, how do your clients plead? So good. Tough. I mean, it's just so good. Because, of course, the next thing he says is, I get the picture. Yeah, no. and he and then he gets thrown in jail. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think he, at least twice, maybe three times, contempt. Yeah. Um, and the last time... Uh, we haven't talked about this yet, but he actually wanted to stay yeah, in jail. Roll with it. So that, well, so that he could actually sleep. sleep yeah. Because <laughs> everywhere, they're, everywhere they're going to sleep, we got three towels. We got there, something's trains. waking them up in the yeah. middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, the pigs are <laughs> the whistle. <laughs> the pigs, the whistle, the yeah. train, the mill, um, <laughs> something. And then, of course, the night that he goes to jail that night, um, there's some type of riot or sirens, and he's like yeah. just sleeping through it. Yeah. Um, no, uh, we don't have uh, the clip pulled up for it, but his, his appearance in court, Vinny's starts off with the leather yeah. with no tie and, and, and the judge just hammers him on that. Um, you, you know, uh, we talked about overruling the objection, uh, earlier, um, when they do put Lisa on the stand and they find, I, I think it's, you know, they find, connect the dots that it's, they're engaged and she's his fiance. Um, and he makes the comment as one of my favorite lines. Well, that certainly explains the hostility. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, he, he was great. You know, I didn't realize until later in life that that was Herman monster. The, yeah. The judge, I mean, yeah. this apparently was his last appearance and this was his last movie. He, he passes away, um, uh, soon after from pancreatic cancer. Mm. And so this was his last movie. Um, I did not watch the monsters. I, I did not know him from that. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I love him. He's, um, I mean, yeah, just the voice, the expression, everything is so good. Um, 
the two Utes is probably the most famous. So good. Um, uh, let's get that real quick. Is it possible the two Utes? Uh, uh, to what? Uh, what was that word? Uh, what word? To what? What? Did you say Utes? Yeah, two Utes. What is a Ute? Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths. Okay. <laughs> so, true story. Okay. Yeah. I want say the word H O O F. How do you how do you say that word? How what is you, it? H O O F. How do you pronounce that word? Hoof. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if that's right or wrong. Yeah. Because I had a trial where it was, it was a an animal cruelty case dealt with a horse, mm-hmm. and I said hooves at some point, and the judge stops the trial. He's like, what are you saying? What are you saying? And I asked, hooves? And he says, what's a hoof? What's a hoof? And I, and I still, you know, I don't know what's right. Is it, is it hoof eye, hoof oxen? I don't know what the word <laughs> you know, so He's like, oh, you mean hooves. And I, I'm like, oh, my gosh. So he was really going with the double O. <laughs> oh, man. I love that. I love that. It, it's, that's one of my favorites for sure. Um, uh, the two Utes. And... Um, Later, he's got the winsome, lose some. You mentioned he's from the Munsters. Um, he's also got this really, uh, you know, if, if you like 80s movies, uh, he's got this just very bit role, but it's, it's he has such a distinct look like um, and, and voice um, that uh, he was in um, The Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox. Um, he, he played Donald Davenport, who was the takeover company guy um, who was trying to take over the company that Michael J. Fox worked for. Um, and he sat at the top of the, or the end of the conference table and had that same voice. And, and it's just so striking. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, hate to, this was his last movie, but gosh, I'm glad that he made it. Yeah, you know, and it's so interesting too how the 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 formality that they emphasize because I have found it to be true that the smaller the town, it seems like the more formal the judge. Yeah, and I don't yeah. know what that is. Maybe it's just that they don't want you taking their courtroom for granted. But um, there's some great, you know, little bits of accuracy in practice that are all throughout the movie. One of the ones that I love is just how money focused. Uh, this slick talking, you know, guy from fast town, New York is, um, yeah, he won't even fight the guy unless he has the money yeah. in hand, you know, yeah. like, Hey, little Yankee wuss, you ready to fight? <laughs> you got the money? I got it. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, um, absolutely. I mean, just a no nonsense defense attorney. Um, even though this is his first murder case, uh, you know, he, he knows, he knows his way around the courtroom. He knows his way around people. Um, for the most part, I guess you could argue that he doesn't with the, the whole, uh, DA and going hunting and all that stuff. <laughs> no, he, he definitely was a fast learner yeah. uh, on the job. And, and she actually kind of, uh, uh, Lisa, uh, said something to him to the effect of, I think when you get in there and you start doing your thing, you're going to be great. Yeah. And yeah. it was kind of like that. Like he had this like natural talent. He had the training in there somewhere. And once it kind of finally started to get comfortable for him and he finally started to kind of cut loose, um, he became a really good lawyer. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And, you know, I really, I think that there is something to be said here about the importance of listening to your wife. Yeah. Or listening to that significant other person sure. in your life. Because she's 
trying to help him the whole time. Yeah, looking for ways to help. Right. Once and ultimately does. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I can't tell you. I mean, like how many times my wife says some little thing that gives me a little spark of inspiration, mm-hmm. helps me see a case that I'm sort of, you know, uh, workshopping with people, um, help me see it in a different way, different light, and just there's something about uh, the intuition that that women have, and you know, Lisa Vito. Um, you know, given the opportunity does, does some great good for the the case, but you know, he won't let her in early on. Well, and I was reading about how they almost cut her character entirely from this yeah. whole movie. And, um, ultimately they add in the scene where she has the rant on yeah. the porch. Yeah. Um, my biological, my biological clock, clock is, is ticking, ticking. <laughs> and everybody loved it so much. And he's just sitting there on the porch steaming mad because mm. she's piling onto him at that point. Which um, is also somewhat accurate. I yeah, mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you no, you understand where he is with it. Um, and so, yeah, no. But that that saved the role, and she just makes the most of it, obviously. Um, and let's give her her due here. Let's get her on the stand and listen to her um, solve the. Uh, and, and this is I should set this up. This is a little bit a little risky. He has total confidence in her. She's going to figure it out, but he doesn't tell her what he's trying to get yeah, from her until so, she's on the stand. Yeah. No, no, no. So because um, she's got the uh, photo of the tire tracks uh, in front of the sack of suds that they're all saying the DA is saying were made by the kid's car. Mm-hmm. Um, he's figured out mm-hmm. that, and he knows um, that it couldn't have been made by that car. Um, and she figures she can figure it out, but he's putting her on the spot, on the stand to look at it and figure it out. So here we go. Ms. Vito, please answer the question. Does the defense's case hold water? Defense's case was the other side, yeah. No. The defense is wrong. Are you sure? I'm positive. How could you be so sure? Because there is no way that these tire marks were made by a 64 Buick Skylock. These marks were made by a 1963 Pontiac Tempest. Objection, Your Honor. Can we clarify to the court whether the witness is stating opinion or fact? This is your opinion? It's a fact. I find it hard to believe that this kind of information could be ascertained simply by looking at a picture. Would you like me to explain? I would love to hear this. (laughs) Now he's sitting on the prosecutor's table. The car that made these two equal length tire marks had positive traction. Can't make those marks without positive traction, which was not available on the 64 Buick Skylark. And why not? What is positive traction? It goes on a little bit here, but I don't want to take it away. She, that's her line that she's most famous for, the Buick Skylark. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about cars. I have no idea about positive traction. Mm-hmm. I, I get the independent suspension and that the tire, they go on to talk about the tires being flat uh, mm-hmm. instead of being on an angle, which right. they would have been in a, uh, 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 in, uh, not an independent suspension, I guess, right. typical suspension. Um, but no, she just dominates it, figures it out, and uh, basically uh, knocks down the uh, FBI experts. Uh, opinion um, that was just given before that. So, and so fun a fact, good moment. I was looking up uh, some background, and apparently, the one of the writers said that he got nailed by his friend who uh, grew up around cars later on. Apparently, a Corsair could also make that 
tire track. So there's three cars that could make okay. that that tire track pattern. One is the the Skylark, one is the Corsair, and the other one is the um, the t- uh, the one that she called that. Yeah, the, the one the Tempest. The Tempest. That's the Pontiac right. Tempest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, and she just say um, one is the Corvette. Oh yeah, which which, which could not be mistaken. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the Buick Skylark. That's funny. Uh, and because it's GM, was it available in mint, mint green, green, it metallic, metallic, metallic mint green condition? Um, good stuff. She's, I mean, uh, as an actress, she nails it. But you know, she she really does just come save the day. She's great. I found this, this since we're still on her. I'll, I'll, this is the last clip I no. have. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is Bill Belichick. In this, in Deflate Gate, yeah, referencing Lisa, embarrassed uh, uh, to talk about the amount of time that I've put into this relative to the other important challenge in front of us. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert in footballs. I'm not an expert in football measurements. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I know. Would not say that I'm. Mona Lisa Vito of the football world. So she was in the car expertise. <laughs> so good. Mona Lisa Vito. Um, just so uh, dominating um, culture all the mm-hmm. way up and until Deflate Gate and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Um, and you know, he had to like actually think of that before yeah. he went out there. He didn't just come <laughs> up with that. Um, so that's, that's really great. Um, so she definitely wins the best non-lawyer assist of, mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, uh, comes through for him uh, there. Best juror. We didn't have a ton of, <laughs> uh, of of independent, like individual jurors here. I do love the lady who has this big look of pride on her face when the grits guy is yeah. saying, I have pride in my grits. And she just has this big smile on her face. Just, I love that lady. My favorite is the black guy in the back row. And during the opening statement from the prosecutor, he's talking about, you know, Vordire. It's a, or no, verdict. Verdict. It's a, yeah. it's a word that comes from all our little old ancestors in England. And, you know, they cut over and it's, it's the, uh, the black lady in the front row that you're talking about. Yep. And then the, the black guy in the, in the back row. And like, he's just got his mouth open. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Whose ancestors? We should talk about Trotter for a minute. Cause, uh, the prosecutor, mm. he's great. Um, so, uh, I will admit to in high school or early college, maybe I can't remember exactly mid nineties. Uh, he was, uh, a featured, uh, star on Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman, uh, on TV with Terry Hatcher was Lois Lane. And, okay, yeah. um, I even forget now, uh, uh, who played Superman, Clark Kent, whatever. Um, uh, Dean Kane, is that his name? Dean Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he played, uh, Perry, uh, Clark, the, the, um, or uh, the publisher of the Daily Planet. Anyway, okay. um, he was great. Love him. But in this movie, he has this very uh, unique way of when he talks to the jury and he's trying to make a point, he's got those arms up in the air and there's yeah. like bear claws going on. Like, ah, identical. Yep. He does that like three or four times. Yes. Um, and uh, But he's great. He's just got this Southern, like, uh, you know, hometown Southern guy who's going to take the visitor from New York out hunting and, and, and treat him right, but yet still wants to beat him. Yep. Um, and, 
almost seems happy at the end once he knows that uh, they've both got the wrong guys there, but they've also got the right guys, which down they the figure road. out down the road. Yeah. So they're you know they're not letting anybody get away. So he's yeah. happy to to have justice reign and and let the these guys these kids go. Yeah, Dean um, Kane, you're right. Is, uh, oh, there you go. The yeah, guy. no, that's probably not one I should be uh, throwing out that I actually watched that show, but uh, <laughs> I, I did. Because I'm a Superman guy, so release your inner nerd. It's okay. This is a safe <laughs> space. You're good here. No, I loved his character for so many different reasons. I love that they they got into sort of his background and the the struggle with uh, ethics. You know, like uh, there's it's so common. Yeah. No, he talked about being right a defense lawyer before. Yeah. 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 And you, you know, it's it that is a common struggle that people working in the the criminal world, criminal defense or prosecution, uh, have to deal with. And so you know, they address that. They talk talk about that sort of the elephant in the room. Um, neither this case nor, um, the, uh, the, my cousin, uh, sorry, my, the Lincoln lawyer, I, I think do enough, um, to, to talk about that, that spot in between where you can land, um, where you don't wrestle with the ethics of what you're doing and yet you're still doing your job and you're doing the right thing um, for maybe a discussion at another time. But I, I did love that they take that up. I love yeah. um, his opening was actually really good. Yeah. You no, know, up good. until talk about that. Yeah. Um, there, there's a point where, I mean, he, he does. Okay. So the, the rule of opening is that you are supposed to talk about what the evidence is going to show. That's all you're supposed to be talking about. Um, and so, you know, he does a great job of saying the evidence is going to show, you know, the evidence is going to show that, uh, defendants, uh, Rothenstein and Gambini did X. The, the evidence is going to show that they enter the sack of suds. The ex- evidence is going to show this and that. Um, they, he, he does all that really well. And at the same time, he makes it exciting. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 uh, opening is short. It's sweet. It's sexy. Um, he gets all the, the stuff out there. I probably would have stopped at the point that, you know, he says, uh, at the end of all this, we're going to ask you to, to render a verdict of guilty. Um, but then he starts going a little bit far left when he starts talking about, you know, the, the definition of verdict and where that comes from. That mm. probably is argumentative. Um, but no, nah, this is a great opening. Yeah. Um, only trumped by the opening of Vincent Gambini. You know, everything that that guy says, <laughs> <beep, yeah. laughs> fantastic. Um, well, uh, and speaking of speaking of uh, openings, um, <laughs> the public defender, bless his heart, the actor is fantastic. He actually plays the judge in Trial and Error, which we might do at some point um, with Michael Richards and Jeff Daniels and Charlize Theron. And he plays the judge. He's very funny. Um, Austin Pendleton is his name. And uh, apparently it was the scene that amongst the actors and the stage crew and everybody else, it was the hardest for everyone to get through without laughing because it was so funny. Um, the actors, uh, Ralph Macchio, um, and and guys at the table were, uh, there were quotas about talking about how, if you look behind the, his shoulder, you're looking from the jury to the, to the defense public defender, giving the opening statement to them kind of behind and they're sort of out of focus, but you can kind of see them almost like, SNL style, Jimmy Fallon style, like trying not to break, trying not to break, um, because it was so funny. I don't know, like I I never quite gathered whether he had an like an actual like stutter, like that was the way just he had a stutter, or whether he was just had like the strong case of the nerves, because like 
now like on the one hand, like I feel like I can totally laugh if it's just the right. <laughs> But if it's like actual stutter, like you're not, I can't. But um, so I'm going to just, I'm going to go ahead and make the choice to believe he, he's totally normal in a, a, every other way. And right. he just gets nervous when he gives it uh, yeah. up in front of the jury. And that's his uh, mechanism when he, when he does that. So it's true. That uh, doesn't age the same in 2020. No, that's, not, that's not great. No, but oh my goodness. When he's so funny though. When he leans forward and puts his hand on the juror as he's oh, trying he to get his him. word out. Oh my he, goodness. He, he, touches, then, he reaches out and touches that juror on the shoulder. And then the fist pump. He's not, not. Yeah. Uh, guilty it was oh, <laughs> just man. oh it's good and he's 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 spitting on them and then he ends it the way he ends it is so perfect you know and it just i mean it's it's great and then he oh when he he's walking back to council table and he just <laughs> throws his arm up like gives a little wave yeah like, he gives a wave. Oh, it. <laughs> wave to the judge <laughs> and was it later he's he after he he only does he only gets to do that and i think he gets to talk to one witness before that the kid decides to catch, ditch him and go back to Vinny. But the witness that he does, he, he goes back to the table and says, boy, he's a tough nut. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, the, kids, don't ask a question uh, on cross-examination oh, that you don't know the answer to. You know, he gets tipped and up against the wall for half a second. You know, were you wearing your, your glasses? No, wasn't wearing my glasses. And then, ha-ha, you know, and then he gets... You know, oh, triumph. Yeah. And so he asked the question, like, how could you possibly see with these as reading glasses? Reading glasses. Oh, that, yeah, that's the tough nut, the yeah. grits guy. <laughs> and then we get the grits across from Gambini and then uh, the public defender loses his, uh, his job there. Um, well, uh, just kind of a few other notes here as we start to wind it down. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the, just so, uh, some other little funny things here and there. Um, you mentioned uh, the guy who who stiffed Lisa out of the money uh, at the pool hall, and then Vinny goes to get it back a few times, but he never has the money. Uh-huh. Keeps saying he has the money, he never has the money. Uh, and then finally, Vinny does punch him out. And I was watching it um, just earlier today. I was going to pull the clip, but I uh, figured we didn't have time for that one. But the way he uh, goes up and punches the guy, yeah, like it, he jumps up, jump. It was like <laughs> Little Mac in Mike Tyson's Punch Out. <laughs> yeah. The way he would jump up and hit the bigger, yeah. the super old school video games, oh. original Nintendo, yeah. um, jumping up and punching like Super Macho Man or whatever. He would have to jump and go at an angle. Um, and that's what Vinny looked like yeah. going up to punch that guy, oh. um, which was great. Um, know, I, I love the, the the rhetoric in the pool hall where he's saying, you know, how about I just kick your butt? And he's like, oh, a counter offer. You know, like, take some <laughs> yeah. first year contracts. You know? <laughs> the counter offer. Um, um, so you talked about Will Smith was up for the role of Stan Rothenstein, which is uh, Ralph Macchio's running buddy. Um, and also the director initially wanted Robert De Niro for the role of Vinny. Um, but the studio thought Robert De Niro wasn't funny. Why and not? it's interesting now, like De Niro makes funny movies. He can be funny. <sighs> yeah. um, it's a totally different movie. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a whole thing. But um, And who knows whether he was actually uh, ever an option. But... Um, no, I thought that was uh, interesting. They did um, make one compromise on the procedures uh, for the laugh um, and admit it, uh, which is uh, showing Vinny going to see the clients actually in the jail cell, right? The first time yeah. that they yeah, <laughs> set up a whole a whole scene about um, about that's really really funny um, oh, where the kid funny. doesn't know that it's uh, it's the lawyer. I think yeah. it's just another convict in there about to hurt him. Yeah. Um, I but, think you should be on your knees thinking. You know, that, that was a great misunderstanding. <laughs> the, 
the Utes thing came out of a real conversation mm-hmm. between Pesci and the director. Mm-hmm. The director, I think, from Australia couldn't understand Pesci and, and when he said Utes and thought that it was so funny they should put it in. Well, also background, uh, apparently the, the scene in the jail, those are, are in the prison. Those are actual inmates in the background. Actual inmates, actual guards uh, in, the, in, in a real jail. Yeah. yeah. All uh, the stuff that they're all, yelling, they're really yelling it. Yep. Uh, yep. Absolutely. Um, he, he uses several different names to be able to practice uh, in, in the court, and he keeps changing it by a syllable or a, a slight change here and there, so the judge can't, can't quite track down that um, he's not able to practice. Gallo, Gallo, um, which Gallo, Gallo. A, again, his wife comes saves to, him on that. Comes to the rescue. Yeah, and like gentlemen, shut up and listen to your wives. Yeah. Like, they know what they're talking about. <laughs> Um, we mentioned earlier that um, the legal community in general is in uh, is are fans of this movie. Mm. Um, Judge Posner on the Seventh Circuit uh, praised um, the movie and said that it was particularly rich in practice tips how a criminal lawyer must stand his ground against a hostile judge mm-hmm. um, uh, because the audience is the jury, not the judge. How cross examination on peripheral matters can sow serious doubts about a witness's credibility. How to use props effectively. The tape measure uh, was the example. Mm-hmm. How to board ire uh, and cross examine expert witnesses. The importance of Brady. We talked about that. How to dress for trial, standing up and addressing the judge. Oh my goodness, yeah. How about that? I mean, he yeah. initially was talking talk at him from the down. from the sitting down, um, which I know there's d- state, federal can be different on that, but uh, but as you said, in kind of local. And state courts, local courts, you're going to see more of that formality or house rules uh, usually. And so knowing what those are, um, it's cited in more than two dozen op- opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, That's crazy. And uh, so, yeah, just just uh, a lot of great stuff. Um, so um, what do we think? How, how does this movie hold up now? It's, we, it's 1992. Uh, we're now 2020. Oh, my gosh. I think we said 2019 earlier. 2020 now. Um, I still think it's great. Yeah. Um, there's just, there's not a lot that, um, doesn't, doesn't hold up. It just, it's, it's so good. It was ahead of its time in, in several ways. We talked about the death penalty and Brady and Morton, um, uh, Michael Morton act. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, just really good stuff. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I think it's just a great comedy. It's, it's great courtroom stuff. Um, you know, it really does show the, the little man going up against the machinery of the system. I think it does a great job of showing, what that looks like, you know, all the different pressures that you have on you when you're trying a case. And it just seems like pressure is coming from all different angles and things like that. And how the little things can lead to, to a bigger, uh, break in the case. Um, yeah, I, I will say for all of that, I think that in real life, you know, whether it's 1992 or whether it's today, I mean, these guys are absolutely found guilty. I mean, there's, you got three people in you this small the bomb on town. us here at the yeah, end. I mean, hot take, but I mean, you got three people in this small town. Wow. Where everybody knows each other. Right. right? Oh, and, here we and go. They all say we saw these boys do it. Right. And then there's a, a metallic green mint green. Yeah. Uh, Buick Skylark that they see leaving the sack of suds and the, the clerk is shot dead and the tire uh, prints more or less match up. You know, you got slip differential and all that factoring in. But I'm telling you, I, I just think that a jury does not uh, find reasonable doubt in real life 
on the uh, discrepancy and possibility of 15 minutes cooking time on the grits uh, on the stove of Mr. Tipton's uh, house and, you know, the uh, the little old lady who, you know, has gone through several uh, prescription changes and the the wife or the wife to be fiance of the defense attorney saying that <laughs> there's uh, a, a problem with the uh, the tire tracks. You know, I, I think that they get found guilty. That is hot take. And not because not only did we get uh, we didn't just get a, a not guilty verdict here. We got a, a dismissal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dismiss all charges. And yeah. uh, of course, the, the part that we did have in this movie, which we wouldn't normally have is. A guilty party found with the weapon right. down the street right. that the sheriff tracks down. Yeah. So, but you're right. Uh, take probably take that out. And yeah. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. right. Well, uh, all right. So let's give this thing a verdict. Um, so I thought what we would do is uh, uh, on a scale of one to a hundred, mm-hmm. uh, we'll use gavels. So those are our points. Mm-hmm. So let's give it gavels. Um, how many, how many gavels do you give our first movie that we're going to do here? My cousin Vinny. So this is, uh, accuracy and just enjoyability. Yeah. Just the whole thing. There are no rules to how you have to judge it, but yeah, I think all those things that we've kind of talked about in the different categories we've hit, where would you, what would you give this one? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to give it about 99 gavels. I just I love this movie. Ninety nine, ninety nine out of a hundred. Like, this is wow. this is the best lawyer movie in my not necessarily because it's uh, the most realistic, but just in terms of enjoyability and the things that they get right and um, the little details, the the comedy, um, the cast, the setting, everything. I mean, you know, this is this is just a win. It is so. That's cool. I'm gonna give it eighty five. I, I I love it. I do. I I feel like I've got a uh, I feel like I've got to give myself room on the top end for some others. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't think of it that way. So I, I'm more just giving myself room to go up uh, than anything else, probably. Um, but I, I do love it uh, as well, and um, it, and it is it's it's really really good. Um, and but we are going to give uh, the audience a chance to appeal. So um, mm. we'll we'll put this out, but. Uh, so you're at 99, I'm at 85 collectively. What is that? We're at 92 collectively out I've, of hundred. I've done my math for the month. I'm done. Yeah. So, so, uh, if, uh, um, if, if you out there are interested in appealing this verdict of 92 between the two of us, um, let us know if we missed the mark here, um, which probably means you, we, we missed it high, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and let us know. So uh, Daniel at varsitysearch.com. You can tweet at uh, Daniel Hare uh, and we'll collect your votes. And next time we'll, we'll look and see uh, whether or not we get reversed by the audience here. But I think uh, we're on pretty safe ground here. We may get into some movies later where we're uh, a little more split opinions, but this one's pretty solid across the board. So um, Robert... Thanks for being here with us, man. This is fun. Yeah. My Cousin Vinny. Classic. Absolutely. Absolutely.